The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good morning. I'm Iyuka, and I'm a senior student at the Village Zendo and a member of this Sangha. And I sound like this because my diaphragm and my vocal cords have atrophied from ALS, a kind of ALS that eats my, my lower motor neurons. So today, my friends will speak my mind. Thank you, Roshi, for allowing and encouraging this accommodation. Good morning. My name is Fusho. We often start by talking about the weather. And I had the luxury this morning um, to sit on a balcony in Montauk overlooking the ocean while I had coffee um, on a bright fall sunny day and I was listening to the waves crash earlier. Good morning. My name's Joran. We often say how amazing it is to see all of you. And I can't imagine anywhere else I would rather be than here with all of you. Good morning. My name is Mukay. Sometimes we say something about how we're feeling. And uh, I'm feeling a bit anxious and I'm also very happy to see all of you. My name is uh, Gesho. Sometimes we talk about what's, what's going on. Um, I don't know, this morning, maybe this is really a weather comment, but this morning where I am, I'm in Hoosick Falls upstate. It was complete fog. And, but by now the sun has already burned off the fog and I can see out my windows right from where I'm sitting, these beautiful um, hillsides covered with uh, trees that are being, beginning to turn in autumn. So that's what's going on. Good morning, uh, my name is Kojen. And we talk about these things because they're immediate and happening right now. Just like the sunlight as it moves across my floor coming from my one, my one little basement window. Kojin, will you be my voice? I will. I think I am dying now. I was told I was dying in the fall of 2019, then told I probably wasn't, then ended up in the hospital and respiratory failure in the spring of 2020. Didn't die. So then they said I probably wasn't going to. But in the fall of 2020, an EMG convinced them that I was. By then, I didn't believe anything 
the medical establishment had to say. Over the next year, I had to listen to my body for the answer. Am I dying? I know what you're thinking. We're all dying. True enough, but ALS pushes the question forward, turns it into a living koan that I have hoped to share with you today. In the fall of 2020, when they gave me that diagnosis, I was angry. The doctor who had months earlier enthusiastically pursued other alternatives, just looked sad and defeated. He had nothing to offer. No treatment, no hope. I'm not a big fan of hope because it spoils the appetite for life itself. So I was surprised to discover the tenacity of hope and how hard it was for me to truly live without it. I read about what ALS does in the brain, and I read the research on alternative methods, supplements that juice up the mitochondria, and practices that in induce neuroplasticity, like Feldenkrais and Farias, and my own creative adaptations of things I had learned from dance and yoga and living with rheumatoid arthritis since I was a toddler. Listening to my body, I would hear minuscule improvements and I would cheer myself on. Oh, it's getting better. It's not ALS, but something like Lyme or inflammation or anxiety. I'm conquering this thing in my own inimitable way and I'll be able to move again, have power again. In fact, what was happening is that I was adapting without even realizing it. Then the minuscule changes in the other direction would accumulate. And one day I can't lift my arm and hold a water glass. And I'm knocked out by the realization that I am getting worse, not better. Really knocked out. Oh, I'm dying. I have no future. There is no hope. But then I would get a little better in some way. And then the whole cycle repeats. Until I finally realize that this is what dying looks like. I'm not going to transform into some other guy who's going to die. Is this body, this mind, this toe, this eye? It seems so improbable. I feel so fully alive. I still care about relationships, about politics, about the weather. I still have opinions and preferences. I was hanging out with my daughter, Vita, and she said, it's weird. You're dying, but you're 100% alive. Even though you're so different, you are still yourself. Right, I said. The one who I was has died. But here I am, completely alive. 
talking to Ryotan Roshi about this, he said, you will never die. You might witness death, but you won't die. I understand this as the you that you think you are will never experience death of itself. Because, well, think about it. Gone, gone, breathe, gone. Has something died? I mean, I'm not even sure what death is. After the talk today, we'll recite the Heart Sutra. No old age and death, and no end to old age and death. No eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. And we'll recite these words using, guess what? Our eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. Long ago, I asked my first Zen teacher, Kodo Sensei, what happens when we die? I don't know, she answered, of course, but I do know that what I am continues. So who or what is actually dying? In my case, just a few motor neurons that send messages from my brain to the muscles that support my spinal cord, my diaphragm, my tongue, and so on. I ask my head to be upright and it refuses. I ask my vocal cords to close and make a sound, but they say I need more air for that. And I consult the diaphragm and it says, sorry, I'm busy trying to breathe. I ask my hand to reach and hold and it rebukes me and fails. The glass is too heavy. The blanket won't move. I'm stuck in the bed. And yet somehow I continue to express myself. What remains? There's a koan in the Mumenkan about a cart. The cart has mighty fancy wheels with some precise number of spokes. And the question, if you take away the wheels and everything else, then what? Vroom, vroom. What is the essence of this cart? Is it separate from that beautiful wheel? How will it function? Vroom, vroom. Who am I now that I've lost so much? I mourn the future I imagined I would have, the enthusiasm I had for my intentions, the pleasure in movement. I've lost the ability to identify with people running, walking, talking, falling in love. And most tragically to me, I've lost my independence. Independence was my superpower. Most of you know by now my story of growing up with rheumatoid arthritis, a hospitalization when I was a toddler that taught my body the terror of depending on people who don't understand me. Well, to add detail, I had been speaking fluently and excessively in Russian, 
then was hospitalized in an army hospital where they didn't allow visitors, where they only spoke English. I don't remember any of this, but my body does. I get the shakes in certain situations that resemble that one. Situations that involve dependence. So I built my identity on independence and heroic adaptability. I learned to dance with the body I have. I made things instead of bought them. When I couldn't make it, I bought it and adapted it. Sometimes I said goodbye to people on whom I was dependent. Now that identity is gone. Each stage of my Zen progress, if there is any such thing, has been accompanied by the realization, oh, it's really true. Oh, it's really true. Independence is a fiction. We are all interconnected. We are all dependent, including me. I'm dependent on my daughter, my home health aid, on my wheelchair, on my computer, on the internet, on you. I'm dependent on the Ezra Klein show. A while back, he interviewed Annie Murphy Paul about her book, The Extended Mind, a compilation of research that explores how our environment interacts with our mind. She was inspired by a philosopher named Andy Clark. The first sentence of the New Yorker article about him in 2018, quote, where does the mind end and the world begin? Where does the mind end and the world begin? End quote. Some of the studies that Murphy Paul cites are sloppy. Only suggestions really, but I think the tendencies they describe ring true. We do the most creative, innovating thinking when we're outside, when we're moving when we are in conversation with our whole body, a process called interception, or we can offload our thinking onto tools, whiteboards or post-it, or even software that talks to us. Making gestures improves memory of the things we are gesturing about. I love this one. Running can produce something called transient, hypo, frontality. That feeling of bliss and oneness that some of us enjoy when the thinking mind finally takes a break. Digital tools also contract our minds, like how a tight focus on a tiny screen amphiates our periphery, or how algorithms and marketing can scatter our minds. Like when the pop-up pops up, What was I saying? I lost track. Something about something about how tools shape us as we shape them, how environments change us, like how we feel or think when we're gazing up at the sky or a canopy of trees. Soft fascination is restorative, which reminds me of Shikantaza, which is where I got stuck when I was writing this talk. It's as easy to talk about shikantaza as it is to talk about death. Our Soto Zen founder Dogen, like 
Uchiyama Roshi in Opening the Hand of Thought spends a lot of time on posture, blah, 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 which I can no longer replicate. What do I do when my body won't perform the posture of Zazen? Enkyo Roshi encouraged us last week to use this very body to serve the world. And Howard just kicked off a fantastic series on embodiment. How do I include this body? How do I include everything? My extensions, my incapacity. Says Uchiyama, our life force should be neither stagnant nor stiff. Thinking, not thinking, says Dogen. No old age and death and no end to old age and death. In between and both and neither. Zen winds crazy advice around our ankles until we trip and fall into life itself. Your body is your life, dissolving and forming along with mine. When I say your body, where does your attention go? Hover there for a moment and then come inside your breath and notice what it touches. Now, touch something outside your body, a bit of fabric, a stone, anything nearby, part of your environment, part of you. Sense your skin responding to the touch, the blood flowing through the tissues, the muscle and bones responding to your mind. If you would like, close your eyes. Let your lids fall closed and sense the eyeballs nestled in their sockets. For fun, bring a finger to the inside corner of one eye near your nose. Then trace the bones of the socket up toward the eyebrow. The outside corner of your eye. the top of your cheekbone and back to the inside corner. Did you notice where your gaze went? Try it again and follow your finger with your eye. Go slowly. 
and see if you can move your eye smoothly within its comfy socket. And now make the circle again, but this time keep your gaze on the dark horizon, sensing the periphery. When you're finished, just feel. Are the eyes different now or the same? Let your eyelids slip open and take in the whole world. Take it in with your eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, and mind. We are your periphery. You are mine. The boxes only an apparition of the tightly focused mind. The reality is so much more. Dropping body and mind. Dropping, dropping. Living forever. Dying now. And now I'd like to close with a gata. Kojin. Joran. Fusho. Mukai. Yasha, Yuka, you.